slowing you down and maybe that's worth thinking about a bit because you you just quoted jordan peterson what what was it that you you know no i quote i quote a gruen well that might be me too gruen about the about the congruence between me and jordan peterson <laughs> we, 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 we would both like take a, a a kernel of truth and wrap a bunch of bullshit around it yeah yeah, yeah i yeah, guess yeah, it was yeah. it was quicker writing that before but you can think of it as rigor but you can also think of it as it's um the the yeah it's it's you're you've got less to say because you're saying more of what is yours to say as opposed mm. to what's in the ether and there's an awful lot of bullshit in the ether that's true and bullshit is easy mm. and mm. it's easier to uh break shit than make shit yeah. That's the second law of thermodynamics right there. Yeah. yeah. But that's just yeah. physics. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I've got a three-year-old autistic son. I know how this works. You know. Oh, okay. Okay. He, he well, just wrecks built, shit. Um, built the Enlightenment. I mean, it was autistics who built the Enlightenment. So reflect oh, I tell that. you. That that was a bunch of <laughs> that was a bunch of autistics. That's oh, true. Like sitting no, in hot I, rooms I, drinking cider, like fucking without like and it was like about a year since their last bath those guys uh well i re i remember talking to a friend of mine who is autistic um he, you know we would have used to call him asperger's because he's clearly high functioning autistic but he's uh, asperger we don't use that apparently that term isn't used anymore and anyway he was telling me what a huge fan he was of machiavelli and it suddenly hit me. Of course, I mean, Machiavelli is such a mysterious character because after hundreds of years of these flattering prince books where they say, oh, great prince, you will do great mercies to your population. He says, look, you know, you've got to be cruel to be kind. You've got to be a yeah. tough old bastard. You've got to um, create, be prepared to create mayhem if you want to, uh, if you need to. Mm. And, um, and it just seems to me that a normal person couldn't have made such a radical and eat what looks like to us just an easily commonsensical break mm. if they weren't off the charts yeah but I, I think everybody's misread machiavelli in the same way they misread darwin so you're talking to a black fella now who's read who's read il principe in, mm. in the original goddamn uh text language yeah oh you you've read it in italian yeah Maybe. yeah i studied that at school at uh oh. not school what's that yeah undergrad so you anyway. did italian what what so I, I learned it i learned italian in in my first year of uni especially like specifically to be able to read dante and machiavelli oh cool yeah and I, but i had to learn florentine to be able to read dante right like which was i don't know that was tricky yeah took me a few months it was really hard i'll bet yeah but you know mostly i just i just wanted to like you know be able to show off to um yeah you know for the whole reason why males do stuff anything in the first place anyway well, um males do stuff too but it's, it's often anyway people have misread machiavelli yeah you know and um and i i think i mean after misquoting him the same way that they misquoted darwin forever just for you know crappy stupid reasons and and got all the wrong bits i think they've been doing that with him for ages but i think recently they've finally you know gotten onto it 
and you know I, I think the I think the big message of Machiavelli is that you you, you never want to send your own people like you, you, you can't uh, like your own people for your own country fighting for their country and for their homes and families are not good soldiers that that was the big lesson I got is that you need mercenaries yeah. you need mercenaries and then how to manage them and then how to manage the systems of incentives as things change on the board you know that was what Machiavelli was about um, and that's full on because the incentives are shifting all the time and you can lose your mercenaries and then someone else can up the pay and, and they can switch around you know or the situation yeah. can change they're certainly not going to charge to their deaths for you you know yeah. but they if you're doing it the right way then you know, I, which I I kind of think that for most of the wars that we have now, that's that Nicola's better than Sun Tzu. That you know everybody's reading the art of war. You know, right. like that's the sexy thing that all your business people are doing and CEOs now. But I really feel like the elites have finally read Machiavelli properly. You know, in the last few decades, and they've started building up, building up, building up to the point that we currently have more private. Um, private armies private mercenaries. and paid soldiers on the planet than we do um you know public ones like yeah, national well, you know well i mean so it's, it's good to see you know you got um you know <laughs> you know all, all those yeah and, and that means that you can pull out of a country you can say you can announce that you're pulling out but you can keep all uh you know, all your corporations that are there that you've set up have built all their infrastructure and stuff, they can keep their private armies there and you can keep doing your stuff. You pull back to just 20Ks over the border every now and then if they need air support, you can send them in because, hey, we're still... Anyway, yeah, so I think they've, they've finally uh, read, it, read it properly. And, so who um, are these people who've read it properly? <sighs> well, if I knew, I'd just go around to their house and pop one in their head. Oh, I see. Problem solved, but yeah, I mean, You're, I don't. You think they're bad guys? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I I, I assume they're pretty bad guys. Mm. I assume they're pretty bad guys that are you know um, keeping private armies in Somalia and you know Sudan and all these places to uh, you know do weird and horrendous shit after you know the government or Africom or whatever says they've pulled out. It's like yeah. Hmm. No, there's stuff going on. I'll get to the bottom of it. I will, Nicholas. I'll get to the bottom of it. I'll figure and, it out. And what about Darwin? Oh, Darwin. Just everybody did the, you know, um, misinterpreted the survival of the fittest thing. Yeah. You know, um, you know, missed out on his, his really good sort of uh, systems, sort of logic and all that kind of thing and, and cut straight to, you know, a couple of silly lines he put in there about the you know, the superior races will inevitably um, replace the inferior ones and all that sort of thing, which is not what he was talking about. Well, he was uh, he was an abolitionist, oh, or rather he's a bit old to be an abolitionist. I mean, he's a bit late on to be an abolitionist, but he comes out of a family that I think was, he was a, he was, yeah, he was an abolitionist because he was, uh, he was in favor of freeing the slaves in the United States and so on. That's it, but that wasn't good yeah. clickbait at the time. You know, nothing's changed. Mm. Everyone talks about how all the media, the way it is now, oh, it's changed everything, but it's always been like that. You know, everybody just reads the headline. So you... Uh, First paragraph but, and then moves on. So you, uh, our last session, or well, the last session you put up was, we, we began or early on, you read me some passage that you liked. Uh, in fact, you read me the passage you wrote for Fidelity. Yeah, the Fidelity. Um, I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Yeah, I definitely did. I thought. It was yeah, fantastic. man. I, I really did. I actually wrote. Um, I, I I wrote because because I've been writing up our conversation in uh, in in a chapter in the book. Cool. And and I was writing like how much of a dopamine hit I got from getting my first A plus from Nicholas. But that also well, that's like, um, just a mugs game. I mean, yeah, exactly. Well, I say immediately. I say, well, I, I like. I try and suppress that immediately because that's how all of my well, that's your, um, your that narcissistic, is, abusive relationships is, bloody that's start. Be that's, a, that's a fucking red flag right there. That is, and it's absolutely fundamental. There are lots of 
thing. <laughs> well, lots of forces out to get you, Tyson, and they'll fawn all over you. And you need your, your great strength so far as you know that that's bullshit. And uh, but it's very hard to. That's it. Very hard to to avoid the gravitational force, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, that I mean, yeah, that's just it. And I've 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 written all of this in in that vein. I just um. I don't know. I, I, I guess you got to go with the emu thing. Like it, 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 it'd be fun to read back to you what what I wrote about our last conversation. Okay. I think you would find it was fun, and I would find it was fun. But then at the same time, I don't know. Or should I read you the boring stuff? No, that's you, well, you read whatever you want. You read unrelated that I that I, I'm I'm you've worried. Already, you've look, already... I'm concerned that my thinking's no good on a, on a couple of. Uh, on a couple of things to do okay. with econ economics. Oh, okay. Mm. And I, I keep going. Uh, I'm going to get around to that with Nicholas, but we, we keep having too much fun with the other stuff. Yeah. So I came up with an idea, which is that when I listened, I, I when I listened to you in Sand Talk, reading Sand Talk, which I think is fabulous, much, uh, fabulous to listen to it uh, mm. as opposed to read it. But when I listened to it, um, I think your subject is really psychology. All right. I think your the 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 way in which you introduce your audience to the cross-cultural space that you occupy is a cycle you are thinking of psychology and you are thinking of all and this is a way in which the Aboriginal culture that you introduce your readers and your listeners to is immediately accessible um, and not via the noble savage narrative. It's it escapes the gravitational force. That's my. That's well, I my guess uh, I guess yeah. if I'm black black Jordan Peterson, then um, yeah, that'll do. Then, then then that discipline will have to be my way in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, and then of course you've got to get worried about people who take your analogy of black Jordan Peterson too literally and assume that they don't like Jordan <laughs> Peterson, they're not going to like you and they might have to cancel you or something. But yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I most, I'm, I know, most often get sort of thrown in with like Stan Grant or something. Oh. Weirdly. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, yeah, that's no. just, he's just another black fellow like Stan Grant that white people like to read. Hmm. I don't read him. He's not really proper. Anyway, yeah. So what are we up to? Um, so I'm trying to. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I should do. All right. I'll do the boring one. Okay. I'll do the boring one. Except um, that. Yeah. I mean, I. Or or I could just read back to you, but it would take like 15 minutes at least. Yeah. No. Like don't how I how I've written up all of our last conversation. No, well, which I think you'll enjoy. You can send if you want. In I can just send you that. If you want into input, you can send it to me, but I, you know, don't if you don't want to. And you might, yeah. might be better not to. I, I don't mind. Um, but, and and I'm also very happy to respond about economics. But I actually I have a bit of a thing when people say, you know, with your economist hat on, and I think we should take our hats off. Yeah, and, I get you. Um, and um, you know, maybe you know, if you, yeah, look, I just. Uh, well, my feeling is that the line through, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, like, wouldn't it be, it's not, it's a nice story to tell a publisher that this is, that this is the Aboriginal contribution to economics, philosophy, blah, 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 blah. But, but what yeah. if either that's not true in a general sense, or if it is true in a general sense, what if you, your the place you're trying to find to stand and to occupy this space isn't on all these things, but is in some of them. Mm. Well, I just, um, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we don't, that we don't have arbitrary sort of separate abstract disciplines in that way. They all kind of go together. Uh, so this one starts yeah. like, okay. So this one starts with a story about a, um, uh, welcome to country and a and a um, smoking ceremony at a property auction that happened yeah. recently. 
love so, that. <laughs> so it's not all economics. There's a little bit of... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I'm so pleased. It's just, it's just the rest of it, I, I'm happy with it because it's just, you know, it's, yeah, good. it's, good. it's about being in this really problematic milieu yeah. where yeah, exactly. things are good, but they're kind of bad at the same time. But it's my, um, I don't know, there's... Mm, when I'm identifying the structural inequalities and the nature of those, there's there's just a couple of things around the mechanisms in the mm -hmm. that I don't know. I there are really I know there are really valid sort of uh, critiques of that way of looking at things that I'm kind of like ah. Eh. I've just been saying that too easily and too much and without any pushback for too long, mm. and I just want to. I don't know. Okay. You want pushback? I'll give you some pushback. <laughs> well, it's just like, hey, you've Maybe got I this, you've got this flower that you're in love with. Like, throw it under the trampling hooves of, 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 of Gruen and we'll see where it goes. Let's go. All right. So recently in the Melbourne, Melbourne suburb where I'm staying, there was a property auction. It went for over a million, of course, because you can't even have a humble two-bedroom shack anymore unless you're a millionaire. The owner felt a bit strange about inheriting this capital passed down in her family from the early days of the settlement, uh, capital she had not earned. She hired a local Aboriginal elder to come in and do a smoking ceremony and welcomed a country ritual. I guess the smoke was to cleanse the blood off the land and settle the spirits, and the welcoming ritual was to invite new owners in to possess the land. The owner also performed an acknowledgement of country, basically a nice way of saying, this is your land, and I'm sorry, but I'm occupying it now, and I'm not sharing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Sorry, everybody, um, cancel away, but but holy shit, that's all it is. Um, my generation was the first in our community not to have our wages quarantined by the state government and never returned. Yeah. Uh, those wages were spent stolen wages were spent on the infrastructure of roads and electricity and bridges connecting all these land enclosures that our betters would pass on to their children and grandchildren in perpetuity. So we don't inherit any capital. Two thirds of the world's capital is land and this is used to leverage debt through mortgages. The mortgage was invented as a tool to trick first peoples into signing away the reservations legally and it worked so well they exported it to everyone else. This is how it happens. Power tries out terrible things on indigenous populations first, but eventually you have to know the same things are coming for you. The Ponzi scheme of global finance is teetering a little now and things are getting a little tight. That millionaire lady's kids are going to be dancing Irish jigs for oligarchs at uh, Anthropocene bunker auctions one day. All I can see in the future of property law is unstoppable entropy in the landscape which will certainly never be surrendered in any rebooted enlightenment, particularly in relation to land as capital. All land is divided into parcels that are enclosed by boundaries, signaling ownership by states or individuals. The enlightenment gave us the gift of theoretical equal participation in a game of musical chairs in which we might seize one of those parcels of dirt and use it to secure our survival. But the enclosure of the land in this way means that the land must die. The free movement of human and non-human agents, including animals, winds, waters and plants, is inhibited. And the exchange of energy and information or spirit is stifled across entire bioregions. Humans as a custodial species are denied access to this land to care for it. This is because an asset can only be priced if it is limitable and excludable. Here's where we start to run into. Um, so far, so good. Yeah, but that's that's the start of it. That's the start of the concept there. An asset can only be priced if it's limitable and excludable. So access must be limited and enforced with the threat of violence. The choice of who is granted access to land is determined by a caste system that is organised by zoning laws and many other laws that create structural inequality. This caste system is essential for a growth-based economic system to function, as an economy cannot grow unless demand exceeds supply, meaning there must always be more people needing goods and services than what is available. This is called the economic problem. It requires that laws uphold a social caste system that makes commodities and capital 
limitable and excludable to ever-increasing numbers of people in the lower castes. Unfortunately, increasing demand in this way also ramps up inflation, which is another mechanism for transferring wealth from the lower castes into the hands of elite hoarders. In this way, a system of enclosures inhibiting the regenerative process of the landscape must be upheld in order for the economy to function. It's a pyramid scheme requiring periodic resets. So every now and then, you need to go to the lower class, uh, the lower castes into a revolution to help reboot the system. This system requires inequality and exponential extraction of resources and energy from land and communities. It also needs to outsource the entropy, uh, conflict waste depletion of the extractive system to zones occupied by people from the lower castes, as well as non-humans, rivers, species, climates, soils. These damaged ones are referred to as externalities. The enlightenment that produced this system also promises freedom from its destructive effects in pursuit of equality, liberty, truth and other lofty ideals. It's possible that there's some truth to this claim. Anyway, I'll stop there, but that's where we start to move into. Um, yeah, that's where we start yeah. to move into. So, uh, I mean, I don't think I'm the right person to give you lots of instruction on that. I don't think it's right. Um, mm. uh, but 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 I think and I think what's happened is you've described a bunch of things, and you've described you, you you're describing you, you're taking what you can see about the society, and then you're going through some economic logic and explaining a plausible economic logic as to how that comes about. Yeah. But if you take every line of it, then you can easily ask some pretty difficult questions. Um, and so when you say demand has to exceed supply, well, yeah, the sort of economics that is taught in the, the sort of economics that's taught at university is that demand must equal supply and that if demand exceeds supply, then you have yeah. an imbalance. Uh, now I get, I, I get, to, I'm getting to the equilibrium thing in, in a later chapter with, um, yeah, with, a, with an economist there, but, um, well, yeah, I'm her, not, her view, her view is that that just um, that can only describe a moment in time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fine. But I, mm. I don't. I mean, if you want to make, if you want to kind of tell what is an elaborate story, uh, it certainly sounds plausible. And when I yeah. listen to it, and I've heard you on a podcast describing inflation and stuff like that, I, I just don't find it. Uh, I, I don't find it very. Uh, it doesn't take me anywhere that is that that uh, makes me think. Yeah, that's something I really need to think about. It's a, it's a sort of lukewarm, uh, lukewarm take. Yeah, that's right. That's mm. right. And um, uh, and and if you did want to try and, I mean, if you want to understand those things. Um, you certainly wouldn't. I mean, I agree with whoever your other interlocutor was that you wouldn't read now classical economics, the economics that's taught at universities at the moment, that it basically ignores <laughs> the problem that you're looking at, which is economic mm. development. And you'd look at Marx and Keynes and, you know, various people. This is a, a deep debate. Um, and there's lots to it. And I, you know, I don't know much, you know, I'm not a good source of knowledge about it mm. um and i think ultimately it's more it's more about the thinking right you know it's it's i don't know there's something that's not right in the sort of cause and effect relations of what i'm putting together here so around that at the economic problem and around the idea of you know you can only price something if it's limitable and excludable around the idea of lim uh, real estate you know the enclosures the idea of the mortgage and then tying that all up with a big bow. Um, I don't know. Well, it's so the, the, the story about enclosures is a, a powerful one. And I think you tell it roughly in the right way, which is that um, starting in about the 17th century in Europe, people, powerful people just said, good, we'll grab hold of this. Uh, you know, that place where you used to go hunting is now being closed off and we're going to put sheep and cattle on it. And they're our sheep and cattle and we're going to shoot you if you 
go and try and poach bird well it now becomes poaching if mm. you go and uh do some mushrooming or whatever it's our place so this is the idea of enclosure uh, I mean, you don't even really go to economics to understand these things because economy, mm. modern economics isn't about the politics of this or the power relations of this. It's it, it abstracts from all that. And that's one of the reasons it's so useless. Um, but um, we don't. It's a powerful story of injustice. There's no question about that. It's also a story of massive productivity improvement. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why we all, what, what, why there is so much wealth around, um, amongst many other things, uh, amongst many other things. Um, so, so the way I see it, at least, these these stories don't. It, it, there's a there's a series of fairly hmm. fragmentary things that I can get my head around, and I can certainly get yeah. around, head around the injustice of enclosures. I can get my head around the possibility that the, I, I think it comes down to that the idea that you just said you know it's the reason why there's so much wealth around yeah you know, like it's produced wealth but so I, I guess the problem that I'm grappling with here is is that is that wealth only possible if someone else is miss, missing out is that yeah. wealth so, only so wealth? My is the wealth only is... worth something you know yeah. if it is just if everybody on the planet is prosperous as hell equally prosperous is anything worth any anything anymore and can the system function well i don't know an answer to that but what i wanted to say was i don't think that it that, that you, you the story you tell is a story that lots of people tell in which things like externalities and unemployment oh, sorry inequality become structurally necessary to that system now, certainly there's nothing in modern economics that says it's structurally necessary to that system. Mm. And I would like to hold that thought because it makes it a much greater tragedy that at the mm. same time as justifying these violent changes, um, which in some sort of sense of hindsight, most people would support in hindsight because it underpins their living standards. Some, mm. people, some people missed out and I don't think that was there's nothing economically necessary about that, and that's a greater tragedy than if the well, it's a different tragedy. So, so is it actually just about people's like crappy attitudes? You know, uh, inequality. What I'm seeking here is is yeah. just a structural reason for the inequality. That it's not about like oh well, people are just shitty to each other. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, that maybe right. it's about people are actually pretty damn good to each other no, in, no, in their natural state, but but there is you know some flaw. In, in the structure of this system. And I keep coming back to that, the economic problem for yep. that. So, and, and the fact of, you know, pe things only being, you can only price something if it's limitable and excludable. Yes. I keep coming yes. back to that. So yep. limitable, like right. that they have, there has no, to be I people think, missing out, that yeah. you have to have a scarcity somewhere. You have to have the entropy outsourced to somewhere in order to have wealth somewhere else. Okay. In order to have prosperity somewhere, you have to have poverty somewhere else. So, and you have to set things up and zone it like that and police that. Otherwise, it all comes down. Yeah. So let's tell the story in a different way and say that, let's say, just for the sake of trying to clear, get our thoughts clear, let's say that enclosure is necessary. Right. Okay? Let's say that a whole, people, whole bunch of people turn up um, in Australia and they find this extraordinary race from another planet. Everything's mm. different about them. And they go, look, I know what we're going to do. We'll, we'll, we'll show them hatchets. We'll show them beads. We'll get them interested. Uh, and they do get a bit interested. And then we'll trade with them. And the locals just don't get any of this. Mm. And, it, and the, these locals just won't get with the program. <laughs> so you turn up and you haven't even fully sorted out you haven't even fully understood in your own mind how um how artificial it is for everything to be owned and everything to be the way it is because it's the product of hundreds of years of your own 
cultural and economic and political development. Yeah, and, and you haven't even got a monetary system yet. You're using rum as currency. No, no, I'm talking about the white guys. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> no. okay. So, yeah. so, so they turn up and they go, gee, these Aborigines, you know, they're, they're really not very quick on the uptake, are they? They just, they just don't want to get with this program. Mm. And um, I, just, I don't know whether you, how much of this guy you've read, uh, Bill Stanner, fantastic. I just think just an incredible, just an incredible writer. And... And he was, and I think, I'm sure I've spoken to you about him before. Um, and yeah. You, you probably read him lots of times, and maybe some of your viewers haven't. But from the, he's, he's, he gloms onto this very early on, you know, in the 30s. He actually starts to see, he thinks to himself, you know, I've learned all this anthropology, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to live with the Aboriginal people, and I'm going to work out why they do this and why they do that. And at some point, a light bulb goes off and he thinks, these people are just human beings. Hmm. And I could explain all this stuff and anthropology has drawn me into this process, but I want to relate to these people and this culture. I want to relate to these people as human beings, very different human beings. And I want to relate to their culture as a substrate in which human beings can exist as full but very different human beings and then he says at the time of um then he says at the time of assimilation so this is sort of mid 50s to early 60s he says have you people have you people considered the possibility that aboriginal people don't want to be like white people and the answer is no the whole thing is predicated on this idea exactly the same idea that uh, Governor Philip had, which is which is the same idea that George Bush and Donald Rumsfeld had, that people would throw flowers, mm. and they're going to go hallelujah, the modernity has arrived, <laughs> <laughs> and they don't do that at all. Um, so at that point, so they're not getting the program because there are, um, you know. Uh, other native peoples were a bit more into property and a bit more into organized warfare like Maoris and so on, and they do a bit better. But all of these indigenous people just can't get with the program because they don't want to get with the program. They want to be human beings in the mm -hmm. culture that they're in. And they'll pick up bits of this culture that's turned up. They're not precious about it. Mm. Um, but they're just, they don't want to do this stuff. So now tell the story again, that um, we turn up, we turn up with a kind of enclosure mentality. Um, in fact, I've just been reading a book on the Hawkesbury River. And that's fascinating because the Hawks, because people like Governor Macquarie actually set up commonses, or the people, I'm sure they weren't thinking about it, indigenous people, but they were setting up commonses precisely to address some of the grievances from the old country that mm. commonses had been got rid of. Well, we had so much land, because guess where we got it? <laughs> had so much land that we could do some of those things. Mm. So if we, we tell a story again, we're in this economy that depends upon enclosure. And I completely agree with you. The market depends on private goods being there being lots of incentive to produce and trade private goods and then you've got these people you've, you've stolen all their land well that's a straightforward piece of theft it's not um it, it doesn't imply anything at this stage about the economy and then you've got all these people who you can bully them into running cattle in the northern territory but in most other places they're not going to get with the program. They don't want to get with the program and they end up as an underclass. Hmm. Um, and no one cares because they're just sort of these strange people and are they really humans? Well, you know, on the one hand, yes, but that's not the way I'm thinking because I'm digging potatoes and I'm talking to my husband and my wife and looking after my kids and I'm doing my things. And I, I Well, there's, there's underclasses in the rest of the community too. But arguably, are those underclasses necessary in order for wealth yeah, to exist? Well, I don't think. Well, is it possible for wealth to exist without underclasses? Well, we've watched. So, 
the most the, the most wealthy the the healthiest economies have been that I, I'm I'm now thinking aloud here, but I think I'm but the so the healthiest economies have been have been after World War II a massive amount of growth as people became as the economy became hugely more equal, mm. and then China same story, uh, people at absolute rock bottom poverty get lifted up and that's the fastest growth any economy has ever sustained for any period of time so mm. so economically these things are not only possible but desirable and, so, ag and again just let me finish this final yeah. point the sad thing is the greed of the the greed of the um the oligarchic layer this is a point of machiavelli makes actually mm. he says you don't want to worry about the ordinary people the ordinary people want to lead their lives in peace uh they want to kind of get on with their neighbor they don't want to get rich they want to get fed and they want to have a decent life but you the grandee calls them you'll be able to translate better than me the grandee are what you want to worry about because they are insatiable there's never enough for them and if mm. you give them 10 times as much as the hoi polloi 10 times as much as the people they'll want 20 times as much mm. and that and that eventually makes the economy less productive there's less demand uh and so on it goes and that's well that's here's the thing though kind of in now here's the thing though and this is where i i have a problem it's with this idea of um you know people who are living in poverty like as if, you know, we've all spent a million years living in poverty and then suddenly this thing's come along to lift us up into abundance. So, you know, those people in third world countries where we're selling out, sending, you know, Machiavellian, you know, mercenary armies to, you know, enforce horrendous shit, like in the Niger Delta, you know, um, you know, you're backing up the, the activities of the fossil fuel extraction around there. Um, and installing puppet governance governments with that and you know and then getting them to like you know hang people who are resisting so that they can yeah. keep fishing in that place as they have yeah. forever yeah. with an absolute wealth and abundance of fish yeah. so those people who've lived there forever yeah you know and they had an abundance of water abundance of fish abundance of crops everything else they're in these they don't have any money they don't own any real estate so yeah. therefore they're living in poverty yeah. um and it's like well we're going to help these people by destroying all of that yeah building a whole heap of infrastructure for extraction and yeah. creating you know cities where they can have jobs and that's then right. gradually gradually lift them out of this poverty this yeah. ancient poverty that they're yeah. mired in some yeah. fella in india who's you know he's been drawing water from the same well for hundreds of generations and running you know the same animals there and caring for that ecosystem in yeah. a village you know, yeah. which is a hub for a whole heap of you know what they call subsistence agriculture because somehow it's existing it's not even existence it's subsistence because you're not producing a surplus to grow your wealth mm. you've got people who have been living in complete abundance there forever mm. um and then all of a sudden it's well we're going to lift them out of poverty yeah. after after we send in you know uh coca-cola to frack the groundwater out of that and poison the well um you know it's like well these poor people we have to offer them education we have to offer them you know so that they can learn how to you know how to be like into these cities and how to be like us yeah move out of that valley where you're building that big massive dam and um you know and actually gradually you know develop to the point where they can have some prosperity where they can have some wealth so yeah. i just i feel like this wealth is bullshit and i refer to it as a game of musical chairs quite deliberately because mm -hmm. you know it's a pretty boring game mm -hmm. if there's 20 kids and 20 chairs and you just sort of go round and round every now and then you stop and everyone sits down in the chairs and has a bit of a has a bit of a yarn actually that sounds like a really nice dance mm. remember when they used to have dances 
Yeah, I do. In the the town halls, Nicholas. It sounds a bit like that. But no, I mean, yeah, musical chairs. You learn it at kindergarten. You go round and round. They keep taking chairs away. And, um, you know, some poor kid's going to miss out of the chair and he'll be out. Eventually, there'll be one person sitting on one throne. Um, I just, I feel like it's like that. Yeah, well, I think it's like that. I'm not denying that it's like that. Machiavelli Um, gets me there, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't want you to go anywhere with Machiavelli. <laughs> um, I mean, Machiavelli made some contributions to the idea of democracy. He wasn't a Democrat because nobody was a Democrat. Then. Yeah, yeah. But he, there's a guy who's written a book in about 2010 called Machiavelli and Democracy, I think, like uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, that's, that's maybe a bit of a side issue. Mm. Um, there is, a, I don't know whether I've talked to you about a guy who I only recently ran into. Um, he, I remember him on the telly when I was a kid, a guy called Ivan Illich. So he was a Roman Catholic priest and he was in South America during the 50s and he described development, the big craze where everybody was going to be raised up to the standard of the West and flowers would of course be thrown because they're always thrown um Mm. western people once they turn up in their shining with their shining new ideas and he's described the problem in a way that is very similar to you which is um and i'll take it a bit further this isn't exactly what you said but what i could hear as you were speaking i was hearing him and what he said is yes you promised these people slightly higher maybe higher monetary income but it's not much and in fact what you want to do is you want to herd them into the cities uh uh, and then demoralize them quite literally because their culture is destroyed and then they are then they are shamed by the fact that they're useless because they're not employed and they have to go and get some employment which they will get subsistence plus a penny in weight mm. and that one penny is how you would measure the development the favor that you've done these people and you destroy a culture mm. and so what now of course what happened to Illich was that Illich in many ways Illich is a much more easily understood he has this very similar concerns to a French philosopher who's over my head called Michel Foucault anybody has similar concerns and he he has he he came up with the idea that all of the great institutions we see corporations the education system the legal system the health system are built in the image of the medieval catholic church Mm. and they are systems of power uh which are which are propagated as systems of ideas Mm. now so of course this is a pill that is too profound a a, a groovier word is radical (laughs) that it's too profound for people to swallow Mm. and the system can't swallow it and he published a book called de-schooling society and people said well okay so we know that schooling's that, that educating people is pretty important to improving their skill level improving their productivity and so on so what are you you saying we shouldn't educate people now this guy was incredibly well educated himself and he wasn't saying that he was saying that the education system operated as a giant machine to destroy the culture that it was uh, that the the where he called it um vernacular culture Mm. destroying the the culture um as life as lived by Mm. people who by poor people who are poor but people who are not without dignity and not without their own culture and it Mm. destroys all of that so the challenge then is as far as i can see it is it possible or um, am i just having a lend of myself when i think that it we should have explored some pathway of development where we tried to, um, where we, yeah, well, where we didn't just turn up with a take it or leave it offer, where we said, look, uh, you know, in these ages where we're supposed to say how great diversity is, and I happen to think it is, but it's always a certain kind of coded diversity, 
um, where we didn't say, my God, this is just marvelous. We've got mm. this whole civilization that's completely different to us. Um, and and let's party. Let's see what we can do for you. Let's see what you can do for us. But that sounds very theoretical. And I don't have lots of institutional yeah. explanation because we'd have to build those institutions from mm. that idea. Mm. And we never tried and it wouldn't be easy. And it'd be full of if you're a politician, I'd say, if I was trying to get re-elected, I'd say, look, thanks very much. Don't call us. We'll call you. This is too hard. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Bolton, <clears throat> get me, you know, one of the schools, something terrible will happen. He'll say, it's all my fault. Uh, and what we need is good, solid law and order and all that sort of stuff. So is this idea, I mean, and so Australian, U European Australians have fallen for this idea regularly and um you know stanner didn't you could see where stanner's sympathies lay but he didn't say that much mm. about what to do but then you have people like nugget coombs peter sutton of course who's a great skeptic now and they were saying these kinds of things mm. and the structures they built for them and you know as best they could do that i'm sure they've got mm. lots of reasons why things didn't work the structures didn't it, it it was a bit of a disaster so yeah. were, that's where we are well i i i missed all of the um i don't know i missed all of the fabling and all of the programming and my my foundations in you know understanding um you know how it all works and you know developing that work ethic and developing that you know that idea of how capital works and how you're entitled to it and how you can come to it you know yeah i, I missed all of this uh, what do you mean by you missed it all uh, well i missed it all in my form okay i missed it i missed it in nobody i missed what i missed what everybody okay let's go to mucky everybody else everybody else in the it's everybody else in the course i'm 17 years old everyone else in, in the you know first year of uni who is in this same like you know really obscure course it was the only thing i could get into because it wouldn't you know I, I didn't do well enough at school you know and so there i am and i'm trying to i'm trying to make sense of all that uh everybody else uh, at the end of the you know that they're going to do internships you know because they're learning italian alongside yeah. me as well they go and do internships at like you know you know they get they get a job at the yeah. Italo australian club they they go and do an internship at, a, at an italian league law firm you yeah. know or something like this yeah. I couldn't do that. I was a casual yeah. labourer who was yeah, hang on. periodically hang on. homeless, and yeah. I so I ended up um, I ended up washing dishes for like uh, six dollars an hour in Italian restaurants to try and pick up the language, yeah. you know. And then and then I ended up uh, getting a promotion to eight dollars an hour, which was the stipend for being a, a lower level thug yeah. in the Italian mafia in in Brisbane. Yeah. You know, so I ended up, you know, going around and kicking people's doors in and stuff like that. And then you, you know, you, you get paid this cash in hand stipend to, to do like a, a job in one of the front businesses. And then you, you, you uh, have access to all the networks to go around and steal car phones and fence them and kick in doors and do B&Es and stuff like that. You know, so, I mean, that was my summer internship when I was reading Machiavelli. And so I and I learned a very different sounds like, um, a, better, sounds like a better internship. Well, I, I, I learned a very different sort of economy from the Calabrians yeah. than I than what I learned yeah, <laughs> from your classical, uh, you know, from the professor. Well, all I can say is, how who, 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 like, he couldn't talk Italian. And he's like, uh, "Buongiorno, um, come stai, uh, molto bene, grazie, <laughs> prego." Um, this kind of thing. This is what I'm learning it from. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and I'm and I'm here with a with a weird Calabrian kind of uh, patois coming through, and I failed all my oral exams, etc. But um, I don't know. I, I learned some things, but I didn't learn the right things. Well, just you know hang on I mean? a minute. Just hang on a minute. How many of those people who went off and did those internships have got their own podcast now and published a book? They don't because they have their they have they have their own. Um, they have real estate yeah yeah they've they have their own houses and then they have a second house that's and, fine. and a unit and, that they rent out to people and make passive actually, income 
and then right. they and then they borrow against that you yeah. know so that they can build their stock portfolio they have That's bonds they have they have all these things you know I, that was not what i learned there i i learned the wrong way and so um you know okay. i didn't i didn't learn about um equilibrium I didn't yeah. learn about you know supply and demand equilibrium. I, I learned quite. It was disequilibrium. Yeah, you know, well, it's well, disequilibrium when you you know. Yeah. You get kicked out because you get in trouble because you knock the teeth out of the bloody the youngest son of the 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 Korean mafia boss there, and you're not supposed to do that. And then you refuse to pay the dental bill because you can't afford it. And then you've got to run off to Alice Springs and and hide for six months and all you this must sort of be, thing. I hope you're a fan of uh, the boy who swallowed the universe. Is that what it's called? Um, I was at the awards thing where he got that award, and I always meant to read it. Oh, it's cool. I think you'd enjoy it. It's yeah, cool. good story. It's a very good story. Yeah, I was I was at that one because I was there with my publishers because they were, they were up for some other bloody award or some or something, and. Um, yeah, I did see him do the the speech, and I thought, oh, that sounds but, amazing. But, but I've, I've nothing to, uh, I've that I'm saying is, I mean, if you're appealing to certain kinds of experiential things, and just the fact that life is so much easier for those guys, that's fine. But no, it's idea, not about that. Let me finish. Let oh, me, I've got this idea yeah. that you've missed out on some course, and there is no course. The the the, the things you're asking questions about are completely invisible. Mm in any economics course in australia yeah um, just i've missed the logics that other people have there, there are some logics there uh, or some it, belief it's, like it's, some some yeah, magical yeah, belief, belief yeah, right? yeah, exactly. that, you know yeah. yeah yeah well that's right so you're not as brainwashed as they are and you're There's not this, as full of bullshit as, as they are so that's so i look and it's just a ponzi scheme and that's all i can see but well, you know, what am i missing scheme. well it's not just a ponzi scheme because it made it, it's it's may it's contributed to vast wealth and we're talking over zoom mm. and that's there's just a huge number of things that this system has achieved and so we have to try and figure out what it is that we you know just a million questions what do we want from it what can we have from it without doing the damage how can we address how can we get more of what we want and less of what we don't want uh how can we uh you know how can we address all of those questions that you've raised mm. um because the alternative is to just sort of you you end up in the same kind of um dead end really saying well what we need is a revolution well we don't know what the revolution looks like so why don't we just try and work out what a bit of evolution uh, I, I just feel like yeah revolution is part of the system revolution is part of liberalism yeah, it and doesn't function without it and the yeah, people who win exactly it's just a reset every now and then when the ponzi scheme starts starts to collapse then okay. um but i mean you know the expect... elites get the bourgeoisie to bloody stir up everybody and correct and, and so run a revolution expect... for them yes. hang a bunch okay. of scapegoats and bloody start again fine but if you have that view of revolution if you think mm. revolution is popped on every century or so which you can say it is don't expect the people you the people at the bottom get spun this story by the ideologues that this is going to liberate them and it doesn't mm. liberate them it didn't mm. liberate them in the arab spring no uh, you know so oh, it wasn't that a bloody yeah yeah people yeah. stopped talking about that one pretty quick didn't they yeah well i was one of the few people who didn't say oh isn't it great um, yeah. just as i didn't say oh well the internet's arrived and now we've got transparency and all the good ideas will win mm. i wasn't as pessimistic as i should have been but i was mm. one of the few people who said just to hold your horses uh, good ideas don't triumph over bad ideas just because we've got a free market in ideas yeah that's it <laughs> look around <laughs> what happened in in the market for other things mm. all right <laughs> i i thought there would be more um I don't know. I, I thought there'd be more naked and protrude, protruding points that needed to be decapitated there. Uh, it's, it's, oh, man, it's also opaque. It's very opaque. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't Nicholas, agree more. I was hoping there would be, there would be some, I don't know, something more concrete and incisive yeah. to smash well, through you might find that it and that I'd missed something really key that was like, uh, yeah, Tyson, you didn't read. 
page 335, obviously, because blah. Yeah. <sighs> well, there might be someone who can give you that. I'd be suspicious yeah. of them. My, my conclusions from mm. chasing down, you know, I think in some ways I've got mm. a similar set of preoccupations as you have from a very different perspective. Um, and my conclusion for all this, in fact, I may have said it to you, but if I didn't, I've said it. No, I don't think I said it to you. But my my view, as I say, and it sort of reassures some bureaucrats that <laughs> that I consult to, and I say, uh, but I've said to people, I'm I'm very radical in my understanding of what's wrong. I'm very, uh, I don't know whether conservative is the right word because it's such a misunderstood word, but I'm very incremental, if you like, about what we can do about it. Because mm. if you're dispossessed, people aren't going to say, oh, well, now we see you're dispossessed. Here, have some power. Okay? That that hasn't happened in the history of the world. Yeah. So, so so we try so what we have to do is we try have to try and understand we have to look at the problem suspiciously because if somebody tells me oh it's about competition and uh you know if they if they point me to a picture of life mm. and then they say and then they describe the picture of life out of a textbook i know that they haven't looked at that picture of life mm. And I know they don't respect that life has its own integrity and has to be kind of, we have to try to uh, bootstrap from life, not mm. impose ideas from life. We need to visit life with ideas on our life and then build from that. Mm. And that is a pro that's a sort of a, that's an incremental process. You know, you mm. decide in your own life, you know, I think I've been a bit easy on myself when I don't admit to something that I did wrong or that I, you know, I don't do the wash up or that, that's a typical mm. example. But then you just get into the habit of trying to do more of your share of the wash up and you find out in the end, it's not more of your share of the wash up. You've just been a bit of a bit narco and you, you know, you're now pulling your weight and everyone's happy. Mm. And then new, new things emerge from that. And, and I think human society can be like that. And of course, these ideas that we learn in textbooks, they can be useful, but they're, you know, with that, they're complete, the, the, the landscape as we look at it is completely sodden with the fucking textbooks. And mm. we need to just look and poke around and ask people and listen to them. And if they don't want our trinkets, then we need to, well, oh, I guess you don't, I guess that's not because you're stupid. It's because you don't want the trinkets. Yeah. So what do we talk about now? Um, you know. Well, we look, I, I, well, I, I, I saw, I saw the alternative. I, I don't even know if these places still exist. I'm sure they do, but, um, you know, after my time with the Calabrians, I wanted to see that place, and you know, so I, I saved up. In in the end, oh, I was. Oh, you, you went. Yeah. To, you wanted to go to Calabria. Yeah. In the end, I was building fences for seven dollars an hour. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and I saved up $2,000, which ended up it wasn't enough. I had to sleep in a lot of hedges, but I got myself to Italy Fantastic. and got myself around Italy and um, kept myself basically fed. And I found that out in the countryside, people were pretty generous and they'd help yeah. you out with yeah. a feed. Yeah. Or they yeah. just, you know, people, you could walk around and, and through these farms and people would like let you pick fruit and... Um, you know, they might even take you hunting if you hadn't had a good yarn with them and, or what, and, and you, whatever. And so, and you know, you've got all these good on, things. You've happened but, on a functioning culture. But what I, what I found in the end, I, I, I found a, I, the place that I found that was affordable for me to stay in the end was in Calabria. And it was this hill uh, town, this hill town. And it kind of, you know, wrapped around. And um, anyway, I'm walking through the streets in this this place and, and people, like they were dressed like you'd imagine people they, they've been dressed for centuries there and they were living like they've been living for centuries and you know you, they were throwing bath water out and they were you know going to the fountain at the center <laughs> of the square and that was the spring and they were getting water, and they were just like you know women were had these headdresses on like they were kind of semi-veiled and um 
I don't know, they, they didn't want to talk to me much. But the place where, you know, anybody who was foreign might come and stay if they had to stay the night because you've got to be hospitable was right up the top of the hill in the castle where the Lord used to live. Mm. And it was about, it ended up being, you know, something like 12 bucks a night to stay there. So I pretty much had a castle to myself staying at the top of the yeah, hill because they really, they didn't live there because they couldn't yeah. give a shit about the castle. Yeah, they were, yeah, they were yeah. down the hill. They were like, you know, they were yeah. running their goats and they're growing their tomatoes and they're, you know, hunting the wild boar and smoking yeah. and making sausage and bloody, you know, making wine and just doing their thing. Um, I don't know. They, they kind of seem like pretty fucking wealthy people to me. Yeah. I, 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 and that uh, castle was no longer de like valuable real estate. It was, it was worth yeah. 12 bucks a night. Yeah. 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 Uh, I know, I, I, nobody I, wanted it. <laughs> and I think, and I yeah, that's interesting. And I think you happened upon a functioning culture, and functioning yeah. cultures are like that. Uh, they, they, I think, they are in indigenous communities, and and they are in Western communities as mm. well. Um, they have absolute abundance, complete health, like, and you know, well, they got know, are, are free to have you know just amazing intellectual pursuits and yeah you know all yeah. kinds of things going on yeah um you know incredible cultural pursuits really dense sociality like um yeah yeah completely happy healthy perfect human beings in living in sustainable well, perfect yeah. ways and it's like yeah. well so yeah. i don't know is that but they're in poverty well so that, that's an impoverished community because their land isn't worth shit and nobody well, wants they're it also but they're also um they're living in a i suspect they're living in a well-ordered system of social power in mm. which the mafia are pretty important and and there's a fair bit of unhappiness is going to radiate out of that but certainly people know their place and if people know their place it can mm. often be quite well, that, healthy for this sort of this that world's sort of, gone now well that will and that world's gone they're, they're, they're all gone it, it's russians now yeah Russian, yeah, well, russians well, are running the world <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah in that in that sense the yeah. underworld yeah very did international to, so, did you get to sicily and palermo i did so did you go to i, I might have mentioned this in our talks uh did you go to monreal the cathedral of monreal which is the no i didn't so it's the second cathedral in Palermo, and it is a cathedral. And when you walk in, it's just perfect mosaics, all uh, three layers of mosaics. It's like it was in the 13th century. Um, the top layer is built by Greeks from Constantinople, and um, they've just exited Constantinople after the Great Schism and the lettering in the top layer they these are pictures of genesis from the bible and the all the lettering in the mosaics is greek and then the next layer down the story goes on but the lettering is latin and it's by muslims uh and they're yeah they're okay with all this stuff yeah you've told me about this before yeah i've told yeah. you before. A, anyway no, if you get back if you get back go there because it's mm. completely extraordinary completely yeah extraordinary. yeah that's what that's what really got me i mean i did pass through um parts of northern italy but and you know you have to go through the cities and in order to get out to the countryside but i didn't find much there of interest well um, it was out in the countryside in yeah. the places where i found people were living much as they had when they were just trying to ignore the disruptions of the romans roman empire so, <laughs> but pretty much just still living the same way they always have and um you yeah. know speaking their own dialects and and you know holding on to that and just yeah. being who yeah. they are forever yeah. Yeah. and that i think that's what i admired the most about that place yeah yeah mm. so, and sort of what inspired me for coming back here i'm like oh well, we need that yeah well that's, that's what we need that well, um Lots indestructible indefatigable regionalism um and that that what they call paese there that you know that village that home that um that center yeah you know? um yeah it's well it's... One, one of the things that i gain some satisfaction from is that the great cultural renaissances where we get the word of course is from florence and venice and the renaissance 
Rinascimento. Florentine, that was a poxy dialect to have to learn from Dante, I tell you. Um, right. I, I got through it though. Sure. Jesus. It took me forever. It was like you, you and uh, best part James. of a year to get through that bloody text. You it was a hell of a poem. Have you read uh, Clive James's translation? No. Well, you might want to. I will. He, uh, he, before he died, he wanted to translate uh, Dante, and he did. All right, I'm going to have to get onto that. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, the nanny just left, so I got to get back to the kids. Good. That's good. That's good, Tyson. That was fun. I enjoyed it anyway. I hope you found it of some value. Yeah, I did. I did indeed. It went in some unexpected directions. Good. I wasn't wasn't expecting to go via Calabria. No. For well, I was supply well, and demand. And the I was in and a I was in a Melbourne restaurant and someone and I got talking to the guy next to me, and uh, he was with somebody else. And he told me he was from Calabria. So I told him my Calabrian joke, which is how do you tell the difference between a normal actuary and a Calabrian actuary? And the answer is, uh, if you give an actuary a population of 20,000, he can tell you how many people will be dead in three years time. And if it's a Calabrian actuary, he'll be able to give you their names and addresses. <laughs> and uh, anyway, they left. And then, <laughs> then somebody oh, told me that that was the head mafia guy in melbourne with his bodyguard oh jesus christ so anyway i'm yeah. i'm safe i haven't been i haven't been taken out yet yeah you're on your own i don't know you <laughs> I'll, I'll have to come and get advice from you if I can <laughs> yeah. no i'll disavow you i'll disavow you like it's twitter you'll have to, you'll have to. <laughs> all right the, the honor of thieves the honor yeah yeah of thieves. good i well look after your kids no worries. See Catch ya. you, bud. Bye. Bye.